0: Yes, hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of The Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name, Hayden Winks. And today, Hayden, as we always do every single Tuesday, the critics say it is our best show of the week. Siskel and Ebert, two thumbs up. We scrape the data. We watch the games. We put context to production, and we try to spot breakouts before they happen. How you feeling? Good? Hopefully. I'm feeling good. My Wi-Fi seems unstable. (laughs) But
1: outside of that, I I feel I feel I feel prepared.
0: It actually might be mine or both of ours. Who knows? We're in the middle of the season mode. Our Internet has been a log jam for seven weeks now. But here we go. We prepare for week eight by looking at the fantasy usage model, which all of you can check out on Underblog. Dot underdogfantasy.com. if you're watching us on youtube you can check it out in the chat as well and if you you know tune in on the podcast feed we really truly do appreciate you and the reviews that you leave but you're just m- missing a little bit of the action that we show during our live shows on youtube so go and subscribe underdog fantasy because as we have these conversations we pull up plays we pull up all 22 we pull up really cool tweets as we go along okay we know that last week tons of buys this week just two the Baltimore Ravens and the Las Vegas Raiders, two of the better offenses out there though, Hayden, and just looking at, you know, the schedule last week, it was full of, you know, double digit underdogs as always. We'll have our preview show on Thursdays, but we're going to have some better matchups this week. Hopefully Steelers Browns, Titans Colts, Patriots, Chargers, Bucks, Saints. It's looking up here, Cowboys Vikings, and obviously the Giants and the chiefs on Monday night football, but On this show, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And we have to start with the running back two in fantasy usage. That is good old Leonard Fournette. We love him. This is a big Leonard Fournette show. Hayden Winks, tell me about it. It
1: has turned into the Fournette show in over the last two weeks. In week six, first in fantasy usage. Last week, second, only trailing Alvin Kamara. So like, my question is to you. Rest of the season, he is a top blank fantasy running back. He's like top eight, mm. higher than that. Mm. It's somewhere right in that that range. I don't see Geo as much of a threat. He's kind of like splitting the two-minute drill situations with Fournette. Ronald Jones is just five garbage time carries a week, and the rest of it is going to old Lenny.
0: I wrote too much about Leonard Fournette in my notes for this show, but a few things. No fewer than 16 touches in each of the last – four weeks. I mean, we know 15 carries 81 yards, one touchdown this past weekend to go along with four targets against the Chicago bears. The term is thrown around. Your question I think is warranted here, Hayden, but I really think we should categorize Leonard Fournette as a league winner. Like we brought it up last year with James Robinson. We brought up this year with Daryl Henderson, especially depending on when your draft was, but it really doesn't matter what Daryl Henderson. We're learning about that where at times you still shouldn't talk yourself out of drafting, a player like that in a situation like that, that's in their conversation later on with Leonard Fournette. These were some players drafted ahead of him. AJ Dillon in the eighth round, Ronald Jones in the ninth round, Michael Carter, Zach Moss, Jamal Williams, James Connor in the 10th round, all other than Rojo, you know, contributors basically to your fancy season. But Leonard Fournette right now, this is a team. It's not just a hot streak. It's really just a microcosm of how great the Bucks offense is that unless they suffer, you know, major offensive line issues, I don't see production wavering at all for Leonard Fournette. And how many teams and how many players at that position can we say that about across the board? Very few. Even the ones that we drafted in the first two rounds. So it's almost a matchup proof, you know, production proof player that we're getting here because he is the most dependable runner, the most bet- bet- dependable receiver that doesn't give you a tell out there. And because of that, yeah, top ten the rest away from me for Leonard Fournette.
1: Definitely, I also throw in film like he's bankable. The to film too. I mean, there's not there's this is not the 2019 2020 Leonard Fournette. This is like Super Bowl Lenny.
0: All season, Lenny is is what we're getting from him. And obviously, the New Orleans Saints are a really fun matchup this week. That's at the 425 window. And again, we'll cover all those games by game on our Thursday show. All right, let's jump back to the fantasy usage model. Hayden Winks. Let's jump to the running back four in fantasy usage over the last few weeks. I know that we dazed and confused on Monday Night Football, but what Alvin Kamara did against the Seattle Seahawks, 20 carries, 11 targets. And here, after that miserable week two, we found ourselves on an incredible run for Alvin Kamara and his usage. So they're not using the
1: second running back at all. And the only reason why I wanted to talk about him here is, yes, the targets are up, but I think just the Saints in general – are about to get way better. Like Michael Thomas should be back in the next month. They just got Traquan Smith back. Their offensive line has quietly been really banged up all year. Hopefully that uh, changes pace too. They've got linebackers back. They've got uh, defensive linemen back. It's just a, a, a much better Saints team. That'll only help Alvin Kamara out. So hopefully they throw the ball to him like six plus times a game. But even when he's not doing that, he's the goal line back and Taysom Hill Um, Still hasn't practiced yet since that concussion a couple weeks ago.
0: 23, 27, 26, 21, and 30 touches for Alvin Kamara this season in five of his last six games. Again, we can throw out that week two performance against the Carolina Panthers because the usage that we're getting here with Alvin is, is absolutely magnificent. You brought up an interesting one. And a couple more things on his usage. 33 targets for Alvin Kamara this year. The next closest on the team, 26 for Marquez Callaway. Then after that, it's 16. And then you mentioned the backup running backs because we've seen throughout his time in the NFL, you know, paired with Mark Ingram, even Adrian Pearson at the start of that, um, Latavius Murray, 114 carries for Alvin Kamara this year. The next closest on the team at running back. Tony Jones, who's on IR, and that's that's at 19. Nothing's going to change. And I think what the major difference in efficiency and success for this team is getting back their offensive lineman. Because, again, the first few weeks of the year is without Teron Armstead. It was without Eric McCoy. They got both of those back in the last couple weeks, and especially last night. Now they've lost Andrews Pete. it sounds like, to a peck injury. But among the pieces, he might be the one that they can you know, move on from and, and continue to compensate for. I, I do want to ask you, though, about that. Michael Thomas situation because how much of the offense do we think is going to change with Michael Thomas once he does get back into the fold because that's a a player that we've seen be a volume sponge and right now Alvin Kamara is the one who is the volume sponge
1: well I don't think that the Saints are going to get him back for another month or so I I think that they're probably hoping that he's ready for the playoffs get a couple warm-up weeks in right before the playoffs and then have him ready for like the wild card push. So um, I don't think it's going to matter that much in the short term. And I just think that Jameis Winston might be earning a little bit more trust after each week. And maybe the Saints say, all right, we're going to take three carries off Alvin Kamara's plate and give him three targets or just pass the ball in general more. And the Saints need to pass the ball more if they're going to be legit playoff contenders. And we low key want a couple. Uh, carries taken away from Alvin Kamara. We want them to pass more. we don't want, we want them to be in the goal line and we know that passing is just more efficient. So hopefully as Jameis throws fewer interceptions, more touchdowns that he earns a little more trust. We can see the saints pass the ball a little bit more coming up.
0: All right. Another running back that you and I both love. We just saw Dearness Johnson have an awesome Thursday night football. Talking about offensive lines, yes, Dearness Johnson was decisive in his cuts, putting his foot in the dirt and getting up the field, was a major player in that. But the offensive line absolutely dominated their opponent in the Denver Broncos. He played because we know Kareem Hunt has been put on injury reserve and Nick Chubb has missed time. But what we're seeing now is that barring any setbacks in practice, according to Josina Anderson, that Nick Chubb is expected to play with that calf injury in week eight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. We'll have to
1: monitor the practice report to see if we're going to get full Chubb this week. And I think just like the thing is, what are we expecting from Dearness Johnson when Chubb is healthy? Are we going to get 80% touches Nick Chubb, or are we going to see Dearness Johnson somehow sneak into the Kareem Hunt role Historically, that's not been Dearness Johnson's role. He has not been a Kareem Hunt type of player. But with a calf injury with Nick Chubb, I'm wondering if week eight, it's a little bit of a committee and then Nick Chubb goes off from there. But even if Dearness Johnson's in there, I mean, Kareem Hunt's leaving behind 15.4 half PPR points and 12.6 expected half PPR points per game. If Nick Chubb gets 30% of that, and we're talking about some somewhere near the Dalvin Cook area. So I think that Nick Chubb easily can be one of those must-have players in the second, third round in fantasy
0: drafts over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd go out and be aggressive with him because we know the talent that Nick Chubb is. There've just been times this year where he was taken out of the lineup in high-value touch situations. He's still one of the most explosive runners in the NFL in terms of 15 plus, 20 plus yard carries and if Hayden's mentioning it. If we even get three to five to six more opportunities per game for Nick Chubb, the ceiling is absolutely immense for him. it's two situations. It's the two minute drill. That's where Kareem hunt plays yeah. and it's splitting
1: the goal line reps. And they were basically splitting it 50, 50. It's kind of random how they use them at the goal line. I've been trying to figure this out for the last two years <laughs> and I can't, there's not a trend. It's just like bring them in. I, yeah. Maybe it's just like a, keeping them fresh. Even if Dearness Johnson takes away some of the stuff between the 20s, Who cares if if, I just want Nick Chubb in the two minute drill going into halftime and I want him for more of the goal line opportunities. That's all I'm asking for. And that's been the difference between him being like the RB nine versus being full Chubb RB two overall, Mr. Dalvin cook.
0: Let's jump to a running theme of this Tuesday show. Thank you all for being here. The Atlanta Falcons backfield Hayden, what we saw this past week, Mike Davis played 60% of the snaps and saw two carries. We'll say that third and three carry was hit three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Great carry. I mean, game-changing play that Mike Davis has. But what we've also seen from Cordero Patterson is back-to-back games of 14 carries. And he added five targets to go with that, to go with the 60 yards on the ground and a score he had. He wasn't effective in the passing game this week, Hayden. But what we've really seen is just a complete usage from Arthur Smith with Cordero Patterson. Now you can see from Graham Barfield, our buddy, um, just his, his development in terms of opportunity at the wide receiver position routes run in week one, three week seven, 23. But despite those 23 routes, he also out Mike Davis over the last two games in terms of carries 28 to 17. So in every down player, basically Cordero Patterson has turned it.
1: Yeah. And what I noticed coming out of the bye week the Falcons basically said screw running the ball and they had their highest neutral pass rate all the way up at 71%. That puts them in that like elite tier, like where we had the Buffalo bills last year in the first uh, five weeks of the year, they were in the bottom half. And I think this was the right move. Mike Davis is an ineffective runner behind this offensive line. It doesn't matter who's at fault If it's him, if it's not because he can't break tackles or it's not that he can't break tackles. He's actually fifth in elusiveness rating, but it, it doesn't matter. They can't run the ball. So they're putting Mike Davis in there on the passing situations to pass protect and letting Cordero Patterson, whenever he's on the field, he gets the rock. So this is just pour one out for Mike Davis. It will not happen. I'm viewing him purely as an insurance option to Cordero Patterson. They had CPAT near the goal line. He's running all those routes. He's playing wide receiver. He's just better than Mike Davis is in this offense. I think this was the right decision for Arthur Smith, a predictable one coming out of the bye, but nevertheless, Mike Davis in a 10-team league. You can probably drop him. He is now a insurance-only guy for me.
0: He's a pass pro back. That's what he is. I know. Like he's still he shredding 60%. He's and shredding look, my snaps league. He, he is the sixth offensive lineman or seventh if Lee Smith is is kept in there in a lot of situations. But I'm with you. What the Falcons are right now is, is they've realized that Arthur Smith has settled on, well, we have Kyle Pitts. We have Cordell Patterson. We have Calvin Ridley. We even got Russell Gage back and we haven't even seen cover these best. We're going to talk about him in a moment, but when our offensive line sucks, we can't move anyone off the ball. So again, let's trust this good pass protection running back to be our sixth or seventh offensive lineman. We, a guy who like has 90% of his yards after contact the season, because we can't manufacture anything for him. And this just went out in space and it worked against the jets prior to the bye week. And then it's working right now. And, It was an offense that wasn't working through the first four weeks. So, like, why would they change any of this? And CPAT CPAT is awesome, too. Yeah, he's he's so
1: explosive. He's so explosive. There was a small – this doesn't really matter for fantasy, but historically, Arthur Smith loves doing outside zone rushing. That's what Derrick Henry was doing all last year. They tried that for the first five weeks. Both Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis, their EPA per play is abysmal in it. Last week, for the first time, you saw more power – more lead and that's just using Cordell Patterson's speed to get him closer to the edge instead of just trying to run up the middle. So uh, I think that this was the right move that Arthur Smith needed to do this. This is better for the Falcons in general.
0: Yeah. And there's more about the passing game a little bit later on, but I think it's a really cool thing. Just zooming out and looking at Arthur Smith, because he would never have done this with the Tennessee Titans. Like it shows him, it took a little bit of time and who knows, you know where the Falcon season is going to go this year, but he's just adjusting to the personnel that he has and maybe with a different offseason and, you know, bringing in some new players that they, they can adjust, but it, it, it is cool to see him go and turn in this offense into something on the fly and adjust because you don't see a lot of, you know, play callers able to do that around yeah. the
1: league. Last night on Mike Davis last year, uh they needed Mike Davis out in space for this check downs and he was really good in that role they don't need Mike Davis in that role. And that's probably his best attribute is just evading tackles because he's not explosive at all. And he loves to bounce things when he shouldn't be doing that. But out in space, he was very good last year. There's no need for that in this offense where you can just throw the ball to Kyle Pitts, yep. Calvin Ridley, and now all of a sudden quarterback Patterson. So this is a, this is a win for, for Arthur Smith. We were very out on him early. I think that this is just like, you needed a little bit of change
0: and we finally got out of the buy. I think their buy week came at the perfect time for yes. them and to adjust on the fly. One of my favorite things about the show, by the way, is just seeing the chat answer each other's questions while listening to us and like fix their lineup. Uh, Love that stuff. If you want to be a part of the chat, all you have to do is subscribe to the channel. It's totally free and you can get in on that. It happens immediately. Helps us on the channel as well. And liking this video does too. So uh, all of you, Connor, Mark, Harry, Durko, Macho, keep fixing those lineups. We'll keep talking. Here we go. Hayden, we got to talk about Thursday Night Football. The Green Bay Packers, and we'll get to the wide receivers in a moment, but even at the running back position, this past weekend with Aaron Jones, six carries for 19 yards, five receptions for for 20 yards. So much changing about the wide receiver group with Devontae Adams, and we now know Alan Lazard are both on the COVID list. We saw a down week from Aaron Jones, really one of the first this season from him this past weekend, you expect that to change and even like the totality of the approach of the Packers for Thursday night football?
1: I think it's going to be a monster Aaron Jones game. If you look just since week one last year, he's been averaging about 14.6 PPR points. That doesn't include this year, but last year was 14.6. In the three games without Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones had 26.6, 23.9 and 21.6. So massive differences. And I think that this isn't just a small sample faded. it. I think that there's reasons for this. If you just look at how the Packers use Devontae Adams, it's different than basically any other receiver right now. He's first in the amount of RPO targets with 13 of them. And he has 14 targets on screens and just quick passes out to the flats. He gets used in one-on-one situations, just catch and throw to him. And that's basically a run play when they don't have that. Then they use Aaron Jones in those types of situations. They'll run the ball. Little bit more and all those goal line. I mean, Devontae Adams red zone numbers every single year are absurd. So, this is just how you get the monster RB1 overall type of numbers um,
0: from Aaron Jones. First, let me rewind to this past weekend because it was a productive or unproductive day for, for Aaron Jones, and I think the reasons why. Hayden is they realized that they couldn't run the ball with their backup center in they're still waiting for David Bakhtiari at left tackle and when they couldn't run against Washington's defensive front which is you know their best part of their entire team right now of Jonathan Allen who's their best defender and then you have Montez Sweat and Chase Young in the outside and a bunch of other pieces Aaron Rodgers just knew he could shred them in the passing game to all different levels and could do it on elongated plays or or short plays as well. So if the running game was taken away, then you obviously have a quarterback that can shine his own. But to your point and about the passing game, I would expect this to be a massive, massive Aaron Jones contest. To the point, I bet we see he and A.J. Dillon on the field the exact same time, motion Aaron Jones out and allow him to cook either linebackers or safeties one-on-one in a lot of situations.
1: Yeah, I think you should move the A.J. projections up a little bit. I want to get too carried away, but he's going to be on the field more for
0: sure. Khalil Herbert, 18 carries for 100 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, most by any running back this season, and a loss or a win. I mean, even more than Sonny Michel did it when the Rams beat the Bucs this season, including a 29-yard run, which I believe is the longest of any back against the Bucs this season. Also had five catches for 33 yards. I guess my only question here, and look, that was, you know, Khalil Herbert's most difficult matchup this season and the worst game script he's going to see probably all season long. My only question, we have this gem of a mid round running back right now in, in real NFL draft circles, but we have a looming David Montgomery coming back at some point this season, not to look too far in the, in the future and, and get negative here, but I just wonder how that backfield is going to look Hayden because There's special in Khalil Herbert right now in terms of his vision, his one cut ability and get up field and running hard. I don't know how you put that back in the bottle after what he's shown right now. Some of the beat reporters think that Khalil Herbert's going to
1: take Damian Williams' job when David Montgomery gets back. And that's like what we should expect. After last week, he played 51 of 66 snaps. Damian Williams only played 11. Um, So I think that in the long term, David Montgomery will be the one. But I do think, like you're saying, Khalil Herbert deserves at least some run and he should be the number two for the rest of the back or rest of the year. I think he's going to be in the mix for a lot of years coming up. I think that he's been that impressive. The short-term question for me is Damian Williams got activated on the Saturday before a Sunday game. That means he didn't practice. Will he play more next week after practicing or is Khalil Herbert going to be this mini bell cow? Cause that's the difference between Khalil Herbert being a fringe RB one high end RB two or being closer to that flex play. So that's like what I'm trying to find out going forward to me. I think that Khalil Herbert is so much better than Damian Williams and that he should have this mini bell cow role and that Damian Williams can mix in on
0: occasion. And I know what you're saying. I totally agree with you, but that's not really taking anything away in my opinion from Damian Williams talent. Cause he's still talented. Like he's still probably a yeah, better totally fine. backup running backs. In the NFL, but Cleo Herbert's a starter. Like, he's a starter, starting caliber runner in the NFL. Now, the next three weeks, Hayden, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Ravens, in the next three games, I should say, it's over four weeks for the Bears. I think what we've seen from that team is after cutting both of their starting tackles this offseason, they can't pass protect at all, along with Justin Fields maybe not giving them the right situations and then holding the ball maybe a tick long at times. It's the whole formula is not working in the passing game. Um, with that said, and considering that, I think that they're going to continue to lean on this running game no matter what, but you still have to pass the ball. Like I sent out a joking tweet saying that like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to cross double digit passing attempts once they get Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert back in this lineup. But I still think like if this is any indication and the game was so far out of hand that you could, you know, trot him out there and not try to close a scoreboard and all that kind of stuff. But this is a player as you're alluding to, we should consider a top 20, at least in my opinion, running back as, as we go along. But questions then pop up. Like it's so much different than a lot of these other runners that we can count on each and every week.
1: For now, he's a top 20, but I'm tracking the news. If Damian Williams is practicing and the B reporter is saying it's going to be a 50, 50 split. And if David Montgomery is coming back earlier than expected, then like Khalil Herbert is like an obvious sell high. So Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's like for the next five years, I think Khalil Herbert's going to be a name on our radar.
0: Yeah. Well, David Montgomery needs a contract after the 2022 season too. So that's another interesting narrative to follow too. Okay. Carolina backfield. Chuba Hubbard after Joe Brady. Matt Rule came out and said, hey, the only way we can win is by running the ball and taking it out of our quarterback's hands. He had 12 carries for 28 yards four catches for 28 receiving yards. What stood out to me, Hayden, in that game, of the 17-play opening drive that ended in a field goal for the Panthers, their only points of the game, he had six opportunities in this first 17. And then after that, just 12 opportunities the rest of the contest. So it's something right now where the Panthers, at least in their opening script, can kind of foresee how they want these pieces to, to play out. But once you get beyond that and your defense is worse and your offense can't play and can't extend drives and can't convert in third and fourth down, then things get thrown out the window right now. Like this is, you know, a bottom quarter of an offense at the moment. Definitely. And I think just like the last four weeks of fantasy usage, I sums it up perfectly.
1: RB 16 usage, but he's the RB 25 per game over that period. And it's just it's Chuba is not a difference maker and their offensive line is a difference maker. Cause it's so bad. And Sam right. Darnold has been a difference maker because he's been so bad. So he's the volume guy. He can get into the end zone. He can run a little hotter. He could have a big game um, because
0: he is the, uh, in a mini bell cow role, but it's just it's tough. To Talk to me about another rookie running back in Michael Carter this past weekend, obviously in a blowout loss against the New England Patriots, 11 carries for third, for 37 yards and eight catches for 67 yards. Hayden, you have patented it, trademarked it, whatever the term is the post by Ricky bump. We saw, and we even have a video with Nate Tice on, on this here, YouTube channel, subscribe, go check it out. Saying that like, eventually Michael Carter would take over this backfield. And even in his like minimal opportunities was running well. And like had the best vision of that backfield. Again, it's kind of tough to glean coming out of a buy now changing quarterbacks and, a blowout loss, what exactly his usage is is going to be in a closer situation. But this is all positives to me about Michael Carter rest of season. Season high, 14.9
1: expected half PPR points last week. He had 19 of his 20 touches on first and second down. And initially I was like, that's not good. Ty Johnson is still playing on third downs. But then I have this other metric called passing situation targets, which is like, if you're losing, if you're in two minute drills, all that stuff. And he had freaking nine targets last week in those situations. So I don't know. I've always thought he was the best runner on the team. There was no Tevin Coleman, but I think that there was like, I think he's now at least the 1A in a two-back committee. And I think that Ty Johnson's still going to mix in because I don't think they can give Michael Carter 20 touches every week. But I think that the big win here is I'm wondering if this white guy is going to be throwing to his running backs more. Well, what about Joe Flacco? well, he's not. I think that Flacco's not supposed to start until maybe a week, week or two from now. Uh, apparently, this white guy is going to be this quarterback this week, and he peppered his running backs the entire game last time. And yeah. obviously, like there's the Bill Belichick. If I was quarterback against Bill Belichick, I would love to throw my running backs and get the hell out of there. But that is something to monitor because Zach Wilson was not targeting his running backs that often. So maybe a little subplot into all this. I think that Zach Wilson's going to miss, like you we said in the last show two, four, six weeks. Yeah. So I think that one of these guys could be in like a full PPR league. I'd have more appeal with Michael Carter, but he's starting to break into that flex
0: consideration right now. For some reason, you told us to write down some jets wide receivers for this show too. So we're going to hit on them a little bit later, but might I interest you in the five and two Cincinnati Bengals as the next jets opponent. And the following week, Thursday night football against the Indianapolis Colts. And then the Buffalo bills. Great stretch for Mike White, Joe Flacco. Michael Carter and company, but we have a little bit more on them a little bit later on. Okay. Time to talk about the Washington backfields, namely Antonio Gibson, 14 carries for 51 yards, two catches lost a crucial fumble inside the red zone. And you also saw that field Yates posted that they're bringing in multiple running backs for workouts. Washington is namely Deontay Foreman. You and I have talked about it a lot where the stress fracture in his tibia for Antonio Gibson is not going to heal while he's playing this season. I mean, Scott Turner has said that, but Scott Turner says, hey, he's basically not going to practice and then just show up on on Sundays. But the bigger issue, not to minimize his injury, to me is like the team at large at the moment because they can never – Get a grasp on the flow of the game right now based on the high variance nature of their offense and then just how putrid their defense is. And we know because JD McKissick is legitimately good that when Antonio Gibson fumbles his red zone opportunity away, that opportunity is gone basically like for the rest of the game. And then they're a negative game script and then McKissick's in there.
1: Fair? Totally fair. And that's why I wrote this column on Underblog called Touch Shares and Different Game Scripts. And I look to see how often a player is getting the ball when their team's in neutral game scripts, when they're trailing and when they're leading. And if you look, Antonio Gibson, when he when the Washington football team's in neutral game scripts, he gets the ball on 26% of the plays when they're losing, that drops down to 17% and when they're winning, it's up to 37%. And the exact opposite is happening with McKissick. So, he needs positive game scripts. We knew this going into the season. This isn't breaking news. But when like you said, if the Washington defense is like I think we should say it. they're going to be bad this year and the offensive line is banged up and Taylor Heineke could get benched at any second here it's just going to be tough sledding for him so even like despite the injury he's already like a low-end RB2 that's extremely touchdown dependent and he's probably the most game script
0: dependent running back in all of fantasy too. Something to keep in mind this offseason I'm going to remind myself this how often we cite defenses as like a positive for running backs necessarily, because as we know, defenses are so difficult to predict their success year over year. Like no one out there thought that the Washington defense would be a bottom five, bottom 10 unit this season. And oftentimes we cited that even with Antonio Gibson, because we knew even if like he didn't get the passing down usage, that hopefully the scripts were tighter just because that defense existed. But since that's almost an unpredictable element of a team for an entire season, it's kind of difficult to add on top of a player who's limited in their role already. He got screwed that
1: Ryan Fitzpatrick went out, you know, and we'll talk about Terry McLaurin in a second, but like that, that mattered a lot. Fitzpatrick is just so much better than Heineken. is in my opinion. So I think there would have, these games would have been tighter. um, if that happened.
0: The other element to this was people just underrating JD McKissick for his value on this team and their belief in him as a passing down player because like it's so tough. We've talked about this every single week, but it's so tough to bench a player of the skill set like JD McKissick who's legit good at his role, and then that role having to be, you know, having to happen much more often than you expected this season. Anyways, uh, backfield that is going under some change right now is the Miami Dolphins. So I about Miles Gaskin because Malcolm Brown has been put on IR. And Miles Gaskin in the game where Michael, Malcolm Brown went down, 15 carries for 67 yards, four catches and a touchdown. In the passing game, this has been a roller coaster of a year for usage for Miles Gaskin. But hey, maybe that mid-brown fantasy pick for Miles Gaskin will pay off the rest of the way because of this.
1: Yeah, they're bringing in Duke Johnson, which like enough already with that. Uh, the three games that Malcolm Brown has played fewer than 10 snaps—that's Week Two, Week Five, and Week Seven. In those three games, Miles Gaskin has averaged 16.4 half PPR points on 14 uh, expected half PPR points, so that's pretty good. And I think that his usage definitely matters because I don't think that Salvin Ahmed is really doing anything. So I think that if the Dolphins are in negative game scripts, that Miles Gaskin is going to get peppered with targets. And in neutral game scripts, we've seen that they're not even trying to run the ball, right. and we know that Miles Gaskins can play. His best attribute probably is outside, maybe his vision. It's just his pass catching ability. So I think that this is a possible for the next couple of weeks here, a big time win for for Miles Gaskin. You have to be moving him up. He's already the RB22 in fantasy over the last four weeks. I think that he's going to be an RB two. I haven't looked at matchups or anything that uh for
0: this week, but I think that's gonna be kind of the box that he's gonna live in for the short term. Yeah. Between the 20s runs just like are not a possible thing for the Miami Dolphins, no matter what situation they're in because that offensive line is just atrocious. Like they can't move anyone off the ball. But if we get receiving work, which is a plus side of miles Gaskins game, if we also get inside the 10, inside the 20 carries or touches for miles Gaskin too, which he's already getting after this Malcolm Brown injury, that's a positive as well. I was also going to bring up Omar Kelly's tweet on Malcolm Brown being, uh, being put on IR, but I'm blocked by Omar Kelly. So uh, I cannot show the people out there. Tough It's from the, uh, from the Legadoo non-A days for, for some lifers out there, if they uh, if they remember that one. Okay, here we go. Alex Collins and Seattle Seahawks backfield. Uh, Alex Collins, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, core injury? Was it ankle injury? Something. Yeah, I forget. He was hobbled heading into Monday Night Football. Prior to that, he was basically given almost Chris Carson's workload. Uh, then he pops up on Monday Night Football, gets 16 carries for 35 rushing yards coming off of... That injury, he's never been the most explosive player, kind of like nimble footwork to create some space. What's your view of him in this backfield right now?
1: Last three games, he's averaging 8.9 half PPR points on almost 12 expected points. Last week, we got Rashad Penny back, and he played on the passing downs. So that muddies this thing up. Uh, Like you said, I think that he kind of is in that Chris Carson role because Chris Carson wasn't playing passing downs, but Rashad Penny possibly should earn more work um, if he gets healthier and healthier, and with Geno Smith, it's like pretty obvious that this offense can be pretty bad. So, I mean, Alex Smith, I guess, in a bye week, go for it, but it's
0: it's not going to be good. Talking about their wide receivers in a moment too. Jumping to the Philadelphia Eagles backfield, a backfield Hayden, We thought we'd figured out a little bit more in the last couple of weeks. Miles Sanders had like out touch Kenny Gainwell somewhere to the effect of like twenty five to six. Well, Miles Gas, excuse me, Miles Sanders goes down. He's getting X-rays on his ankle. <laughs> We're here, Shirley. We are here. Let's talk about it. Seven carries for 24 yards for Boston Scott once Miles Sanders went down. Then eight targets, four receptions, 41 yards for and one touchdown for Kenny Gainwell in the passing game. Did we see a difference in any of those players? Obviously, Boston Scott finally got in the field. Or did we see like an increase in Kenny Gainwell's role at all? And is there anything we can latch onto moving forward here? Boston Scott basically was the between the tackles rusher.
1: He had both of their inside the five opportunities. Kenny Gainwell had seven passing down targets to Boston Scott's two. So Kenny Gainwell's role basically didn't change all that much. Um, And he looks, he looks fine. Like he, he looks like the most fine running back in the NFL. And I, right before I got in, got on here, I see on Twitter that Jordan Howard might get a bigger role here. So this is, this thing is going to get muddy. We know that the, the Eagles are number one in neutral pass rate over the last couple of weeks. They do not want to be running the ball for whatever reason. Uh, Boston Scott is not going to be getting 15 carries. I wouldn't think. I also don't think that Kenny Gainwell is going to get the bell cow role or else they would have done that last week. Um, and here comes Jordan Howard. So this is going to be a pretty frustrating situation. Uh, for the next I would guess two to three weeks when Miles Sanders missed. It was like a low ankle sprain is, is what it's looking like. Um they don't think it's that severe. But even like you weren't you weren't playing Miles Sanders. So like are you playing Boston Scott? Probably well, not.
0: The only wrench thrown into here, well there's multiple, is that they play the Lions this week. Like a team that they should finally <laughs> have positive game script Damn against <laughs> an, an offense and the Eagles that, you know, Maybe insults the term offense for three quarters. Like there's nothing designed that works. And I went back and actually watched all the Kenny Gainwell stuff from this past weekend. And he basically got DeAndre Swifted, but he's just an average talent in that the Raiders were so far up on the scoreboard that they're allowing him to run angle routes and getting short receptions. And even dropped a few of those with like severely off coverage and just basically giving yeah. him room to run. He just isn't. A, able to make like super explosive plays. Now, the touchdown in, with 11 minutes left in the first quarter, second at nine from the 13, it was an angle route and it was beautiful. And that's kind of like been his bread and butter all season long. But I do think it's interesting that he did make his mark Can he gain well at points earlier this season. And then as the offense started to not get worse, but become what we all – realized it was, they basically wanted to phase him out. And how often do we see like a team then phase up this type of player back in there that they have a role that is like the Naeem Hines role in? So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just saw them go down 30 to seven on the scoreboard. Then, you know, 33 to 14. And that's where he was getting most of his production in this game. So a little bit of context there.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know how I'm going to rank these guys. I'll, I'll listen to news, but it, I don't know. They're not using Kenny Gainwell for a reason. He's making a lot of bad plays.
0: Chase Edmonds on the Arizona Cardinals. We know he's the the between-the-20s king. 15 carries for 81 yards for Chase Edmonds. Hayden, this actually shocked me. Not jumped jump too far ahead here. But we know James Conner is an absolute stud in his role. Good call by you this summer. James Conner has 11 carries inside the 10-yard line for five touchdowns. I actually would have taken the under on Chase Edmonds' touches inside the 10-yard line. Carries, I should say. He has six carries inside the 10-yard line. But obviously no touchdown scored in that format.
1: He had one last week, um, but that was after uh, they brought James Conner in for a couple plays where he just didn't get a carry. Um, and that was like a, a play out from the four yard line. And just like I've, I've studied this. You do only, I only used inside the five carries because you see some of these like scat back types still get in there, like on like first and eight from like eight yards out. But once they get like really close, like in, within like three or four yards, that's when they actually turn, to their power back. Um, but I wanted to bring him up because Chase Edmonds, he had those two weeks where he was playing through that shoulder injury. Right. And in those two weeks, he was averaging 7.7 expected half PPR points. In all the other games, including last week, when he was a full participant in practice, that goes up all the way to 12.8 expected fancy points. And we saw last week, James Conner played a season low 21 snaps. Uh, and he did split the goal line work a little bit um so something to monitor maybe that they want to get chase edmonds going a little bit more than that kind of committee that we've seen uh most recently but i would still be shocked if it's like first and one right at uh, the one yard line i would be still very surprised that that's not james Conner.
0: two things pro football reference doesn't offer inside the five yard line carry so i'm screwed there
1: that's why you got a code i'm gonna teach no. you R the summer
0: nah dude i got way too much to do. way too much i gotta work on this tan okay all that kind of stuff you know you know me and laying out i gotta crisp up like a cookie. The other thing is I think it is tough to discern certain things in players, games and in production, like chase Edmonds playing through that injury. He was still out there and still, you know, it wasn't just a missed game. So it it can look like his role has changed, but really they're probably just holding him back because they have James Conner who they trust as well. I think it's back to exactly where it was, but if we do see, you know, some inside the ten, inside the five yard line touches, like you're talking about, that's a big positive because every time Chase Edmonds is slippery, man. He's he's to me the perfect back right now for them, based on like the compensation that they're giving him. Uh, again, it all it all continues to run really well for the Cardinals at the moment. He was
1: good last year. If anybody wanted to watch him, he was good last year too. That's my take. The Steelers think, couldn't.
0: The Steelers, the Steelers couldn't play. The, the Steelers couldn't block. Oh, for him. That's I'm why he looked Chase Edmonds, not James. Conner. Oh no, no, oh, no.
1: James James Conner looked. Pretty okay. I mean, pretty okay. Very big, high praise. But he looked pretty okay out there. Now that, that Steelers offensive line uh, dragged his name through the mud. That was that was uncalled for.
0: Oh, you met Tom. Tom's a good guy. That's basically what you just gave James Conner. Yeah. Okay. Eli Mitchell, eighteen carries for 107 yards against the Indianapolis Colts. Let's pull up some of his plays right now, courtesy of Kyle Posey. He played 66% of the snaps, got a touchdown. All the passing work, though, Hayden Winks, went to Jim Michael Hasty, and this cloud of Jeff Wilson continues to loom over. What's your view of Eli Eli Mitchell? Because, Hayden, let me bring this up, and I know this will hurt you. Let's change the discourse. Let's remove Trey Sermon's name from our brains and from our memories. Okay, let's act like he doesn't exist, and he kind of doesn't on the 49ers team right now. (laughs) We would be so amped for Eli Mitchell. If that was the case, you know, just in season long fantasy, we would think that, damn, this is a feature back runner. Who's in a system that typically creates yards for running backs. And here we have him. And I feel like Hayden, we should just have that mindset now moving forward with Eli Mitchell.
1: Yeah. He's, he's improving. That's what I, I think is happening. And, um, I don't know. It's just like hard to see. He's getting, I think, 18 of his 19 opportunities. run on first and second down. Like you said, Jamichael Hasty's playing all of the third down role. So he needs the Fort the ers offense just to be better. And then we're going to see big games from him. We need Trent Williams back. He missed last week. We, we need the rest of the offensive line to block better. There's a lot of really bad blocks, Um, but I'm with you. I think that Eli Mitchell can play a little bit. He's certainly more explosive And Trey Sermon. What I've been doing the last couple weeks, I just close my eyes and I just pretend that all these carries are Trey Sermon carries, and I can sleep at night. But yeah, I think that Eli Mitchell is gonna—he's gonna be like an RB two. We just need the offensive line to play better, and we need Trey Lance not to steal the red zone opportunities. Like that's like the big thing in the back of my head with Eli Mitchell is just like Trey Lance is gonna come back, and they're gonna have all the those specialty touches, um, stealing some
0: touchdowns. But he's gonna be fine. Also, very cool on this design to see Kyle Usechek basically take two linebackers out of the way, and then it just opens up a free lane for Eli Mitchell just to be one safety to the house. Little things. Little things that I don't necessarily see that the dots show me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Hayden, whenever I see Eli Mitchell runs, I think of Raheem Mostert and just how much he might have crushed. Raheem would have went off. He would have went off. Uh, that. Lots of mismanagement around the 49ers this year, but I think so much of the offense was based on how much influence Raheem Mostert would have had on it, but who knows?
1: I've got an idea. Dan Campbell to the 49ers are the head coach. They keep Shanahan as the OC and Vic Fangio as the DC. That's like the best head coach. No, we need Kyle Shanahan just to call the plays. Nothing else.
0: Okay. You know? Patriots backfield. We have talked about it. We talked about the instant reaction shows, which everyone can join us at 730 Eastern on Sunday evenings. Um, the backfield is as defined as we've seen it since James White went down. Damian Harris, neutral, positive, touchdown score, runner, extraordinaire, and, hey, even pass protection at times right now. And what we've also seen from Brandon Bolden, who's a favorite of Waiver Wires in Week 8, six of seven targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. Anything you want to say about Brandon Bolden right now, hey?
1: Yeah, Brandon Bolden is the RB forty six on or RB forty five on RB forty six fantasy usage. So he has the James White role. He's averaging seven point three expected half PPR points. If you need Brandon Bolden in your league, your team's effed. That's like how I would sum it up. But he's available. You can pick him up.
0: Uh, a couple things we talked about this again on our Sunday night show. This was finally like the best version of the vision that the Patriots wanted to put out there in terms of they're blocking and they were opening up lanes for Damien Harris all day. I mean, they could have run so much with Damien Harris if they wanted to, like he could have put up like 200 yards. They just, but the other thing that they've added is Josh McDaniel is doing some super cool motion stuff with, with wide receivers in terms of, or in Johnny Smith at times to so bring them in as running backs, giving them the action, allowing the running back to go up on the wheel route and getting the wide receiver in short areas with the ball in his hands as like the running back pushes the coverage off and then the wide receiver is comfortable in the open areas. And then we're also seeing it, one, with the wide receiver pass with Kendrick Bourne was the same exact action there too. And then in the Brandon Bolden screen pass touchdown was action coming one way with Jacoby Myers, Brandon Bolden skirting the opposite and then uh, you know full wall of offensive linemen in front of him. So again, Josh McDaniels is throwing these wrinkles in there and we're seeing more and more... Of that wide receiver motion in the backfield as we go on. We know the Patriots lack explosive players to do it, but it's still working. Every single week, you can point to one or two plays that that's creating something significant. The same thing with Ramondre Stevenson in week six, where they motioned John into the backfield and allowed him to get up the seam. So that's an element I want everyone to pay attention to when you watch the Patriots from here on out is that backfield motion.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for the Patriots to come out of their bye. I think that they're going to have, they're going to like unleash this offense. I think that Mac Jones has earned some of this more motion, whatever it is, just more spread concepts. It's just more RPOs, like whatever, whatever they want to do to add to this offense. But I think that Mac Jones could handle it.
0: All right. Wide receiver time before we get there. Need everyone that is here right now. Love that the chat is going crazy, helping each other out. That's what this is all about. Like, and subscribe down below. We're on the hunt to 10,000 subscribers. A reminder, we have this show, our scraping data, hour watching games. It's the utilization. It's all the goodness, the spots and breakouts. We also have Thursday at five 30, a game by game preview show. And then Sunday mornings, we help fix your lineups. Start sits from 10 AM to 1230. And then an instant reaction show. We go game by game, reviewing and recapping all the narratives and performances from the day at seven 30 Eastern. And a big reminder, if you are new to underdog fantasy, we have just launched a deposit match. First time depositors deposit whatever you put in and we will match it directly out of Hayden Wink's pocket. He is on Jeff peanut butter sandwiches and ramen noodles for the next month to pay for this promotion. So go use promo code this show. Whatever you deposit into underdog for first time, Hayden matches it. $99. Boom. 99 back in there. All the way up to one Bitcoin. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> you have so many extra though. Okay. Here we go. Wide receivers, and we're going to get in some big names here. And let's start off once again with the Atlanta Falcons, namely Calvin Ridley. Hayden, we always talk about opportunity, targets, they're king, yada, yada. The last few stat lines here for Calvin Ridley. 10 targets, 7 receptions, 6-3 yards, and a score against the Bucks; 11 targets for 61 yards against the Jets. 13 targets, 7 catches, 80 yards against Washington. Previous game was against the Giants. He was out against the Jets. Then out of that game that he missed and the bye week, what we got this pass rate against the Miami Dolphins, where everyone was hitting, 10 catches, excuse me, 10 targets, four catches, 26 yards, and a score. What's going on?
1: Well, he's the wide receiver four in fantasy usage over the last four weeks, and he's the wide receiver 36 over that stretch. So the, the Falcons, to me, it was positive that he got 10 targets. It was positive that they had – their highest neutral pass rate. It looked like just from a game plan perspective that they're going to use Kyle Pitts as a legit wide receiver, and I think that will let uh, Calvin really have some softer coverages if they're going to if defenses are going to line up with a legit corner on Kyle Pitts. I just don't know why he's not producing. Like I I don't like he seems fine, right? Like have you been you been watching him? Like there's nothing I can kind of grasp that's telling me that like he should be having this below average season. But like right now. He's the wide receiver 118 out of a 120 in fantasy points over expected over the last couple of weeks. Mm. So I don't know what the hell is going on. I think that he's just positive regression and this is just small sample, but I I was curious to see if you think
0: that there's something else with this Calvin Ridley stuff. Yeah. Two things. One, we saw this with cow Pitts that the usage was great, but he wasn't hitting. And until we got to the jets game in London, it's been rocket ships in those, what, two games ever since. So, like, the usage is there. And we also know, and we've talked about previously on the show, that the Falcons offense is at their best right now. I think they've, like, figured it out. They figured For out sure. what they do well. The other thing, though, is really is being used differently than he was last season. And Matt Ryan's throwing in different areas than he was last year. I mean, Matt Ryan, and I talked about this already, but he was number two in the NFL last season in 20-plus yard pass attempts. This year, he's 29th. Calvin Ridley led the NFL in 20 plus yard targets last year. He's 39th at the moment with just nine. So some of these targets are in shorter, not shorter areas of the field. Like it's not a low a dot still, but is he getting that insane top five usage along with a top five quarterback throwing down the field this year? No. So even when he doesn't get one of those big catches, like that is a game altering stat altering, big play, 40, 50, 60 yard opportunity that is just so much lower in terms of the availability of it this year that I think that that's impacting his stat lines each and every week.
1: The only counter I have to that is just, I think that with the offense changing, some of that has just been more air yards. and Like right now, the last four weeks and one of those games, Cal really didn't play. This also includes a bye week the Falcons are leading the NFL in air yards over that stretch. So maybe this is a positive where we can't figure out something like there's it doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't look slower. He's not like dropping every pass. I think it's just been kind of some variance and just, he's been missing time. Um, But I'm encouraged by more air yards, more overall targets and Calvin Ridley is like the number one by low for the model. And I, there's nothing about the film that's telling me like he's just not the same player this year. So. Um, I think you just probably you should buy low if you can.
0: So a dot in 2019, 13.9 yards, 2020, 15.2 yards this year, 9.9 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a sizable difference
1: for sure. I, I wonder that's if that's going to go up though, because those
0: first couple weeks were painful right. to watch. So we'll see. I'm with you. Yeah. Again, We saw the cow pits and the usage was there, but the production was not. And that hit, I think, still utilizing these pieces in their proper ways the rest of the season, that should be a lot better. Anything about Russell Gage. I mean, in his return, six targets, four catches, 67 yards, and a score. It was a slow start. I mean, he didn't get his first catch until the final play of the first quarter. And really, a massive part of his production was that second and eight, 49-yard touchdown that he split the two, well, one cornerback in Zavian Howard and then the safety down the middle. It was a great throw by Matt Ryan.
1: Yeah, I don't have any Russell Gage notes. I just think that with Kyle Pitts doing what he is doing and with Calvin Ridley's usage, it's just going to be hard for Russell Gage to pay off, especially when they're scheming touches to Cordell Patterson. It's like those three guys and everyone else is pretty much
0: dust. Terry McLaurin, time in Washington, he is just incredible. He when is. you go back and watch these games, so many of these targets and passes, especially in his direction, are hospital balls. I mean, they're so awful. Kind of two things, though, there. Like, on one hand, sure, if you want to spin it, Taylor Heineke is giving him a chance to go up and win a lot of these contested catches, uh, which is good because Terry McLaurin's an alpha and and can do that. On the other hand, he's getting drilled, like, over the middle of the field, on the sideline, coming down hard after, you know, getting tackled in in midair. But as we know, this past weekend, 12 targets, 7 receptions, 122 yards, and a score against the Green Bay Packers. So
1: I only wanted to bring him up for a couple of reasons. Like you said, he is incredible and he keeps getting open and then Terry or uh, Taylor Heineke can't get him. And this is just like a bigger, broader question about like regression and what, what does it mean? He's the wide receiver six in fantasy fantasy fancies over the last four, four weeks wide receiver 16 in half PPR. I think this is like a good point. Like he's probably not a positive regression candidate because Taylor Heineke literally cannot throw in the ball with any consistency. So like, this is a situation where he has wide receiver one usage, or probably is going to be a boom bust wide receiver too, with plenty of upside when he does come down with these. But this is just to me, like he's in one of the worst situations um, out there, but he, he makes so many guys miss out, out, out in space. Yep. He's just like a complete player. I hope that next year they can get him a legit quarterback. I don't know if that's going to be a trade up, a veteran who's, who's going to come over to Washington, but he needs, he needs a one because, or like a top 15 quarterback. Cause he, I think that he could be a top 10, like real life wide receiver.
0: And we just never get to see like the full appeal of it. You you see those moments. And again, to Taylor Heineke's credit, he has full confidence in his noodle arm that he can make all these throws. So at least it's not, not to throw Gino under the bus here, but at least it's not Gino who like doesn't pull the trigger, doesn't want to throw down the field, who gets super tentative. We see that with a lot of backup quarterbacks across the league. Taylor, for better or for worse, for wins and losses, is still going to throw down the field, still going to throw outside the numbers. And a lot of it fails, but at least he gives those opportunities, right? So at least we can hang on to that. And there's still going to be a negative game script. You're such an optimist. I'm like, I, I'm over the, the whole Heineke, Heineke experience. I he's going to be here for a long time, man. I'm he's sure, like, but He's like our Jeff Garcia, if that name rings a bell to you. No, I know Jeff Garcia. Give me a break. <laughs> time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, no, we got a few more. Let's do Bucks wide receivers first, okay? Uh, I guess the only question here on the Bucks wide receivers, Hayden, is how do you spot the breakout? Because we know that Tom Brady right now is the quarterback two in fantasy points per game. He doesn't run. He throws a damn huge amount of touchdowns, right? But we've seen Antonio Brown weeks. We just saw Mike Evans week. We've seen Chris Godwin have huge numbers. Gronk have huge numbers. Is there anything you can pick out can we even you know, be smart enough to look at a defense and say, oh, it's Chris Godwin's day, it's AB's day, it's Mike Evans' day? That's the only question I have about this right now.
1: So last week when I had Godwin as the Benji of the week, check for me, that was because of a slot matchup, uh, but Mike Evans also went off. I, my only notes here, and when all three are out there, it gets way more muddied up. Actually, Antonio Brown is leading with 16.2 half PPR points per game of the three. Um, but when Antonio Brown is out, Mike Evans jumps from 11.9 expected half PPR, PPR points up to 17.1. And then Chris Godwin goes up about three expected half PPR points too. So um, when AB is out, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both wide receiver ones, kind of like going back to those Jameis years. And then when, when all three are active, they're all wide receiver twos with upsides and like, you're starting them no matter what uh, like there's on a matchup, nothing about the game scripts, nothing. They're all out there. Um, it, Tom Brady's on pace for 51 touchdowns. Like that's, that is so absurd.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at it right now. Mike Evans has 37 receptions, 500 yards, seven touchdowns, Chris Godwin, 520 yards, three touchdowns. And then Antonio Brown missing two more games than the rest has 418 yards and four scores. Like Mike Evans is a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy points per game and half point PPR scoring. Chris Godwin's around like wide receiver 17 and Antonio Brown's in that mix too. It's unfair throwing in Robert when He gets back, throw in Leonard Fournette. Who's in a great offensive line. Again, the bucks remain incredible despite the up and down nature of their defense at the moment. But at times, you know, certain sides of the ball, pick the other one up. Okay. Green Bay Packers wide receivers time. Hayden. We know. Devonta Adams. Out on the COVID list. Also, just about an hour before this game, this show, I treat it like a game. Alan Lazard placed on the COVID list, unvaxed, so he definitely is not playing. A couple news and notes here: Malik Taylor back for this game, who apparently was great in the preseason, and Marquez Valdez Scantling should be reinstated off injured reserve for this game as well. And dare me. Positive Norris over here. Throw in Aaron Rodgers' stats in the last six games without Air, without Devontae Adams. 17 touchdowns, one interception. 6-0, 125 passer rating. Hayden, if he hits home like this on Thursday Night Football against the, what, 7-0, 6-0 Arizona Cardinals, who's going to catch the football? Who's doing it?
1: I was hoping that you were going to tell me who it was. <laughs> I, I All my notes, I haven't got to this game and all the detail like that you have, was Randall Cobb ran around on 32 of 42 dropbacks. If they do use three three wide receiver sets, Randall Cobb will be in the slot. There's a chance that he is a two-wide receiver set starter. I think MBS um, is the player to note here. And then you get your Malik Taylors, your Equinemius St. Browns, and those guys. But I'm just expecting the offense to change – More fullbacks, bringing that second tight end. There's a Robert Tanyan split out there. I think he had, um, in the three games Devontae Adams missed last year, he averaged like 47 receiving yards and 1.7 touchdowns per game. Um, So, obviously, that's pretty fluky. But uh, Robert Tanyan becomes a a tight end to streamer and we'll we'll have to monitor MVS's status.
0: So – when I was preparing for this game this morning, I wrote up a lot of Alan Lazard's usage and so much of it was in the slot. And then that gets thrown out That's the window. Right in the trash. Work. Overall, what stands out to me is that when Aaron Rodgers is missing Devontae Adams, just historically, he has to play much more inside the structure of this offense. Like he has to rely on Matt LaFleur a lot more in terms of When a player is open, the timing of the throws, because we know with him, Devontae Adams is just the elite separator in the NFL. It can be early, it can be late, it can be no separation in a back shoulder throw. No one is going to mimic that one-to-one ISO wide receiver winning for Aaron Rodgers in this game. I think most importantly, what we talked about at the top. Aaron Jones is going to be heavily featured in the receiving game. I think week two against the lions, if I'm remembering correctly, was his most targeted game with six. I bet he equals that if not surpasses that in this game. And where's the strength of this team at the talent and offense right now other than quarterback it's it's at the running back position. So I bet they do some really cool things with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. But if you had to ask me to like pick which wide receiver is going to be the most productive, it's not Randall Cobb. I don't think it can be Malik Taylor. I, I think it has to be MVS, but, you know, better in best ball, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. Could it be better in Thursday night football, Hayden Winks, this week?
1: Well, I just want to make sure they're not like rushing him back from injured reserve. So I haven't caught up on the news to, Like, make sure like this isn't just like desperate throw him out there, even though yeah. his hamstring isn't ready. But like, my head's telling me this is MVS, Robert Tenyon, but most importantly, Aaron Jones season. Like Aaron Jones, like lock him up for 25
0: fantasy points. Thing about the Cardinals, though, like early on, we had that conversation before the Jacksonville game about their run fits and how they were all over the place. They've improved a lot. I mean, J.J. Watt is playing extremely. On well. the other part of this, Hayden, Chandler Jones is coming back from this game, too. Also off the COVID list, Chandler Jones is. And then you bring in, you know, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, and it feels like the, the the game is slowing down for them, too, at the linebacker spot. That's helping. Now, is it as good as their pass? Anyways, but, yeah, I'd expect to see some creativity from from Matt LaFleur. and some inside of structure moments more often than Aaron. Don't you think that Aaron's going to relish in this opportunity? I know he would much rather prefer Devonte Adams out there, but going up against the only undefeated team in the NFL and being like, I'm going to put these no names on my back, bring back Jake Kumro, whoever else let's get it done. Let's fire in these tight window throws that he's still doing every single week. It's absurd. The throws that he's making on a weekly basis. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun watch. I'm going to hit the over on the Jordy Nelson receiving yards prop. <laughs> Jordy won't get off his farm in Kansas. He will not do that. I interviewed Jordy Nelson at a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Super nice guy. There we go. Super nice guy. Here we go. Going from that fun to hell. Carolina Panthers, Robbie Anderson. Let's talk about it. Robbie Anderson right now, Hayden, the king of running wind sprints out there on the NFL field, the king of, getting targets and none of them mattering because what we are showing right now Robbie Anderson is 4th in wide receiver in routes, 16th in air yards throughout the season and 69th in receiving yards. That's not good. It's really bad. He is dead last in fantasy <laughs> points above
1: expectation um according to my model and I was just trying to figure out what is going on because he is getting targeted? I mean he's like wide receiver I believe 16 fantasy uses, so he's getting targeted. What the difference was is last year against man coverage, he averaged 3.5 yards per out run. That's like elite. Anything above three, that's like elite. He was like top 10 in yards per out run versus man coverage last year. This year,
0: it's under one. Yeah. What I mean, what happened? Lots of things. One, I believe that this offense was more efficient and more productive with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. Fair to say. Facts sucks. I thought it was too big to fail because I thought no one could really be. It's not like Teddy was awful last year, but he wasn't aggressive. That's a good way of putting it. But two, this offense is so bad at this moment that when something doesn't go their way in terms of putting them in second and long or missing on a third down conversion, they have no way to extend drives. And some of those are DJ Moore drops. Some of those are Chuba Hubbard drops. And a lot of them are right now are Robbie Anderson drops along with just bad throws, right? And Robbie's just dropping his opportunities. Like it's, I, I don't want to elevate drops into a massive conversation, but he's not making those when he's getting those catchable targets, because we know so many of those passes right now are uncatchable or their pressures or their sacks. And so when you're just on a really bad team and that's not giving you a lot of opportunities, you have to make good on those and it's just not working. It, I cannot explain to you how it's not working, but I also think Hayden, we, can point to how the ceiling is being lowered a little bit, at least this past weekend on DJ Moore too. Like it was like six catches for 67 yards or something like that. And uh, I, I can't believe it. It it doesn't make any sense. It, it it truly doesn't make any sense of how bad it's gotten in just a quick amount of time.
1: Okay. So one word answer, positive regression candidate, or is he just bad, just bad or regression? Like that's the, that's the game we're playing. I'm going to go with regression. Really? I mean, he was so good last year. Like he was top he 10 in like all of the efficiency stats last year. Like I, I don't see how he's just all of a sudden just bad at football. Like that doesn't make sense to me.
0: What they need to do is get back to last year's usage. And I think they've kind of done that since Terrace Marshall went yeah. down a little bit, but they need to continue that even when Terrace Marshall comes back because that's where they best operate. I don't know, man. I, Regression. We're positive. Come on. This is your guy. I can't do it. Wow. I mean, I, I thought he was like the biggest sleeper this season in terms of his draft status. Cause again, he was being drafted like eight spots after we finished last year at the wide receiver spot. And theoretically things only improved and they did through three weeks and not with him, but just overall as a team. And obviously now not so much. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what to think of that team. Other than they suck. They pull the life out of me. All right. Bengals wide receivers. We have a whole video on Jamar Chase down below. Go and check it out. We also need to talk, though, about one, the Bengals at large and where the passing offense is going. And also T. Higgins, Hayden. What are your thoughts on T. Higgins? Because a lot of people started drafting him and he actually ended fantasy draft season ahead of Jamar Chase on draft boards, yet he has nowhere close to the ceiling or the cons- consistency of Jamar Chase on this team right now.
1: Well, he's just not nearly as good as Jamar Chase. Like, that's very obvious, just the, the explosiveness. I will note, though, that T. Higgins had 20.5 expected half PPR points last week. He was the wide receiver 23, according to the fantasy usage model, and he hasn't been performing well. So the big thing is just if the Bengals are going to pass more, and we've kind of seen the last week or two, they have been passing more. If that's going to be a trend that we should expect moving forward, then T. Higgins can going be a wide receiver 3 again. I think that the Jamar Chase stuff is just here and he just, I mean, he's already a top 10 real life wide receiver. There's not, that's not even a debate anymore. And um, I guess like Tyler Boyd is just the last piece and Tyler Boyd's like, just not even like in the conversation right now. He's um, let's see if I can find, I got to scroll down a bit wide receiver 58 in fantasy usage. Ugh. He's averaging just 6.2 expected half year PPR points with T Higgins in the lineup with Jamar chase being this good. Um, it's going to be hard for Tyler Boyd.
0: They have the jets in week eight for a preview show. I, hopefully we can dive into a little bit more, just how much passing team this turned into. Cause I think that's important. We theorize that it could potentially happen. Just getting comfortable with the offensive line and Joe Burrow's health and so on and so forth. Our buddy Pat Corrine wrote this and I'm not trying to add context to it, but I just want to bring up a, a few things because he talks about, how in week seven T Higgins had a yards per target of 4.1, despite having a yards per target of 8.6 last season, and then a 6.0 yards per target this year previous to that. A major part of it is that Jamar Chase is just a better player. Like this past weekend, T was given all of those same opportunities in terms of contested catches going up and getting it, especially along the sideline. And if any of you go back and watch, notice the timing of his jumps. I know it might seem like I'm I'm zooming in too much and being coming too detailed, but there were times where he was coming down when the pass was just arriving. It was so weird. Even our buddy Joe Goodberry talked about it. He just wasn't seeing the ball clearly, like the trajectory of it at all. And it was just an off day, I think. When we've seen Jamar Chase have many on days and how this team is faring right now in terms of of positively and while they're shifting more and more to the passing game i think even that small little detail like drops can do that elevating too early in 3 to 4 to 5 situations uh, truly i don't know if you've watched this game yet it truly was 3 to 4 to 5 situations where you just mistimed the opportunity
1: uh have not watched the game cuz game pass is the worst product on the face of the earth um, but i have got the data and jamar chase first in yards per run versus man coverage Five point seven yards per route run against man coverage—that is absurd—and he's also leading um, in my fantasy. Or er, that's yeah, fantasy points over expected. He's scored sixty-two right. more points than the model. The next close is forty-one. That's a huge gap. Rookie. This is this is nuts.
0: It, it, it would be fitting, Hayden, when we didn't warn necessarily. We just called attention to how hot he was running based on the limited number of opportunities, especially downfield, he was getting, and he was converting on those. But it would only be fitting for that conversation not to matter because they just ultimately now pass more too, which is which yeah. has always been a possibility. Which is he, great. He, he's still like
1: <laughs> shredding on these deep passes. Like, I mean, unless he's the greatest receiver of all time, which I'm not ruling out based off of this start. Like, he's still like a negative regression candidate, but it's like. Don't even call him that because they're going to pass more. And when they pass more, he's going to get more of the underneath stuff.
0: He's, he's so good. Spoke about the dolphins running backs. Let's now talk about one of their wide receivers in Jalen Waddle. I hate this offense, just watching it every single week because it's speed outs, it's slants, it's RPOs for most of the time, which two actually played pretty well outside the two interceptions against the Falcons. I just went, went back and rewatched that prior to this game, this, this show. Um, Jalen Waddle is emerging now, not even close to the way that Jamar Chase is, but when you consider what the Bengals have at other wide receiver spots, and that allows Jamar to dominate his one-on-one matchups, the dolphins out there right now do not have Will Fuller. They do not have Devonte Parker. And what Jalen Waddle is doing is helping, in my opinion, Mike Gesicki have a lot of free room in a lot of these situations too. Yet Jalen Waddle's out there still racking up production and yards and stuff. And that's not even Hayden being a monster after the catch, which is what we thought was going to be his bread and butter during his rookie season. I've been really, really impressed with Jalen Waddle so far.
1: Yeah. He just runs a slant on the RPO every single time. Well, like speed out, lots of speed outs. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's really cool. Um He has some splits with Devontae Parker who could return this week. It's about a four expected uh half BPR point difference. And then Will Fuller, unlikely unlikely to play in week eight but they need him. um kind of curious just to think about robbie anderson will fuller as by lows uh, we don't have to talk about it again but with the deshaun watson rumors like those that's how those two guys get elevated so um Jalen waddles he's he's improving i like what he's doing it's just they're not using him in a way that's like
0: gonna create a bunch of explosive plays i think it's a function of the offense jets offense Corey davis jameson crowder can even throw in Elijah Moore if you want to. We talked about that white guy, Mike White, uh, Joe Flacco, in a couple weeks too. I'm truly fascinated to see how this offense operates without Zach Wilson because we wanted it to be easy and thought it might be on the quarterback. I mean, that is the LaFleur-Shanahan system, and it hasn't. And I joked, but they now have a quarterback that is willing to work and operate inside the structure of an offense. And that even showed itself in the second half, I thought – of of this week's game. What could we see with Corey Davis who made an awesome touchdown catch with these players? Are you knocking any of them down or even up if you want to go in that direction? So Corey Davis against the Patriots in the two
1: games, he's averaging 7.4 expected half PPR points that goes up to 10.8. So there's a difference of three versus everybody else because he's not getting bracketed. Um, The other thing is the Jameson Crowder should get traded. Like this team's not going anywhere. Jameson Crowder is an NFL starter. He should go to a contender. That could happen uh, before the November 2nd deadline. And I think that would have positive ramifications for a couple of different guys, mainly Elijah Moore, who is playing, I think it's like 75% or so of his snaps on the outside, and that's led to Elijah Moore being second to last in yards per out run versus man coverage. T- talking about a slot, an undersized slot receiver in college, a lot of gadget touches. We thought he could win outside as a uh as like a vertical threat at at the Z spot, it just hasn't translated. He's too young, too small to do that. Hopefully if they get rid of James and Crowder, we can talk about Elijah Moore. but until that happens, kind of like the LaVisca Chenault situation
0: where he's just a player, probably not in the right situation for, for where his strengths are. The only way they can get him the ball is six yards in the backfield, on a reverse pitch and let him take it to the house. It is odd. I mean, we heard so much positive buzz during training camp. And again, they aren't our eyes. We weren't able to really see him in preseason games either. Remember? Cause he missed a lot of time yeah. with injuries. So you couple that with being in a bad offense and we haven't really seen that much explosion from, him. yeah, he had this reverse toss for a touchdown. Yes. He had another play where he juked a corner at the line of scrimmage on the smoke screen and then allows him to pick up a first down. Other than that, there's been no splash plays. It feels like from Elijah Moore this season, I would put some of that in the quarterback and Again, it's going to be just an interesting narrative to follow as we go along. Just the differences in singular quarterback play and how much of an evaluation that shows of Zach Wilson, who just loved to let things play out, escape out the right side, point downfield, and let it rip because it looks pretty. It's aesthetically pleasing for everyone on Twitter.
1: Let's get Crowder to the Chiefs or the Saints. That's what I want.
0: Ooh, I like that one too. You're trying to like. Get Kevin White and Kenny Stills kicked out of their jobs in the Saints. Aiden, who are you? Brandon Cooks, you have his name written down here with the Houston Texans. Is this only really a projection for when Tyrod Taylor comes out? Because without him, it hasn't been nearly the same ceiling.
1: Yep, you you called me out. Uh, He's averaging almost four more expected fantasy points with Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod Taylor is supposed to return to practice on Wednesday. And David Coley already said that when he is back, he's the quarterback. That's not going to be enough of David Mills. So um Brandon Cooks, I think, is one of the best, maybe the best by low um in the game right now.
0: Odell Beckham, lots of discourse about Odell Beckham, type of player he is on these talking head shows. Hayden, I need it right now. Your hot take on Odell Beckham. Because for me, I actually think he still looks awesome. Like I understand when the spotlight is on him in these Island games, if he drops one pass, the sky is falling. But lest we forget, those like first two games that he immediately came back. It was awesome. I thought it was great, but obviously he's been dealing with some injuries since.
1: Yeah. he When he's dealing with the shoulder injury, he's just not consistent um, catching the ball. And this offense is super slow paced, run heavy. They got Jarvis Landry back and they use both of their tight ends. So it's just like hard to see, the ceiling like Baker Mayfield didn't take the next step. We already already know what case Keenan brings to the table. And right now he's the wide receiver 44 and fantasy usage. And that's only with one game with Jarvis Landry back. So yeah, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. I'm with you though. He, he can still get open. Like, oh, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say that he's like lost his explosiveness. I think that playing through this injury
0: has made him like lose focus with like just purely catching the ball. Um, Which makes and, sense just from a human nature perspective. If you have a hurt shoulder and, taking slants into the muddied area of the field. Like I don't get paid to catch passes over the middle of the field, but that would stun and slow me down. I was shocked though, that our buddy Charles Robinson put out there during the game on Thursday night, that if anyone calls about Odell Beckham, they'll give him to him. Basically like I'm paraphrasing. He's like the reason that Odell hasn't moved because no one's made an offer for him. a little bit shocking. Maybe I'll try to find that as we go along and pull it up here. Charles is the man for any yes. of the news going on. I I don't think Charles Robinson is underappreciated, but for someone who has his ear to the ground, he is the most underappreciated follow out there.
1: I have about like 10 people with every single time they posted something to Twitter. I get the notification. He's one of them. You can't miss it.
0: Me too. Okay. Bears wide receivers. We were ahead on the Allen Robinson decline that he's dealing with an ankle injury. It doesn't just, Look right. He looks like lethargic out there at times. Um, I also think part of it now. He's brought up that he didn't have many reps with Justin Fields during training camp. Good on you, Matt Nagy. But we've also seen that this passing game, even when you know attempting thirty passes, it's not good. A lot of the tackle issues, a lot of the quarterback issues, a lot of drops as well. Where were we at the Bears pass catchers rest of season, Hayden? We had the Bucks
1: without all of their secondary guys. It didn't happen, like. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It just uh, – it's a Allen Robinson problem. It's an offensive line problem. It's play calls. It's certainly a Justin Fields problem. Right now, just look back. Yards per out run versus man coverage. Allen Robinson, 2.4 last year. Dropped down to 1.3. So, I think that is the ankle injury. I don't know if there's something else at play, too. Um, whatever it is, it's just not going to happen. And Darnell Mooney has, like, basically the same usage anyways. So, even this offense can't support a single guy. And now they have two guys, like, operating in the same role. It's just – it's not going to work. It's sad. It's sad. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And this is a contract year for Allen Robinson. I I hope that yeah. this was just a, we get like an AJ green re, like resurgence next year. And this was just bad situation injuries, the whole thing. I hope this isn't like a legitimate decline for Allen Robinson. Cause that would, that would be terrible because he had all those good seasons with bad quarterbacks. And now next year he can sign with whoever he wants to a good quarterback. I hope that it's like, not just like toast for him.
0: Speaking of A.J. Green, let's jump to the Cardinals' wide receivers. uh, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, especially Christian Kirk, dominating. The one name that people keep talking about, Rondell Moore, he is the shortest A-dot in the NFL, Hayden, by a full 1.6 yards. I know that everything was explosive and beautiful and magical in those first few weeks of the season, and people are forcing him into their lineups. His spiked weeks are unpredictable right now, and that's a slogan for better and best ball. But what they're doing with him, Hayden, is that they're you know creating these really, really fun plays here. As you can see, it's a little screen that's like a double pivot that he gets four blockers out in front of him, and he can make things happen after the catch like anyone else. But especially, and we're going to talk about Zacherts in a little bit, with all of that in the fold, that's the cherry on top of the cake and not, you know, not the, the actual foundation. portion That's the not layer. The foundation of, of building an offense. He's like an He's a better football player at this point to like cap the team and cap the cap, the offense than he is going to matter for us each and every week. He
1: ran around on 17 of 35 dropbacks, him and Christian Kirk kind of rotating uh, the Cardinals dropped to 19% for wide receiver sets on passing plays last week. That was up to like 32% the one game where they didn't have a tight end. So, yeah, we the same situation. AJ Green's not coming off the field. Nuke's not. Christian Kirk and Rondell are going to compete for s- slot snaps. Whenever Rondell's on the field, they're going to throw him a screen. He's going to make a couple of guys miss. We're going to love the highlight reel for YouTube. And then next year, we need one of these wide receivers to get out of his way.
0: Christian Kirk is really good. As, as we talk about in Slack, it's such a smart idea to put players in positions where they win. And being able to sign AJ green as the right wide receiver. Like if one of these players goes down, then something might change. Like we saw over a little bit with Rondale Moore getting more run when Max Williams went down. Right. But yep. as it stands right now, it's a well-oiled machine and it's all working and nothing should change at all. Cause they're, they're still adding things every single week. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on with Zach
1: Uh, we're going to talk about that with another player, going back to your Christian Kirk thing, yards per out run versus man coverage. Last year, 1.6. This year, he's doubled it to 3.2, and that's putting the player in the right position to win. And the next guy I want to talk to you about is LaVisca Chennault because I have the exact opposite snap stat, uh, stats for Visca. Yards per run versus man last year, 1.6. This year, down to 0.6. Oh so that's like bottom five among wide receivers. And I think that it's the opposite of Christian Kirk this year where they're now putting Visca Chennault in a position where he's – his skill set is not bound to win
0: at X receiver. So what are your thoughts with with Visca and then Jamal Swagmoo? Yeah, again, our friend John Shipley actually sat down with the Jaguars wide receiver coach and talked about Visca Chenault transitioning to the X wide receiver spot. That is purely an outside player who asks you to win your one-on-one matchup on the outside. In order to do that, you have to threaten vertically with speed and you have to separate on a dime like we see with all these you know, ISO ball, basketball maneuvers. Neither of those are strengths of the Vesquishinault. Yeah. And to me, that's why he's going to continue to struggle at outside wide receiver because he's not sudden. And where he was in the slot and where he's kind of like a power slot is space is manufactured for you in those areas. You can do it by motion, you can do it based on the defense, so on and so forth with releases. And then he's just such a bull after the catch. That he's tough to bring down in those moments. But now you're already moving him outside of his best area. And what Urban Meyer and I think some other people came out and said was that Jamal Agnew is our best separator. You know? To me, Jamal Agnew is a very intriguing buy-low for the end of your bench. Like he's gonna play a lot as as we go along. Now, as you always bring up with, you know, 12 personnel two wide receiver sets, it's almost assuredly going to be Marvin Jones and the Visca Chenault out there, and especially with Darren Arnold, they can do some fun things with, you know, he and Chris Manhurts. But we have seen it. Like, Jamal Agnew, in some ways, is their Debo, their Mikkel Hardman, like a manufactured touch player near the line of scrimmage who's explosive, has kick return ability, and he's learning the position as well. So that's something that is very, very, very intriguing to me that no one is talking about with Jamal Agnew and we've seen coming out of a bye week Trevor Lawrence the game is slowing down for him and he's improving as well Agnew's an interesting player
1: definitely what school did you go to
0: oh no Hayden Rudman asked me these all the time in the slack all during the week and okay I'm going to guess and it's going to be totally wrong dang it is it a Pac-12 school no West Coast though West coast school. Uh, I don't know. San Jose state university of San Diego. Do you know their mascot? I, I do. I brought this up in, you brought this up in, in Slack. It's blue and white and the terreros, the terreros. That's what it was. Go. God, My
1: God. friends went down to school with him at Jamal Agnew. They call him swag. So we're calling him swag.
0: Got it. Yeah. Over the last two weeks, Jamal Agnew, 11 of 13 targets, 119 yards. And he leads the team in yards per route run. Is 39th in the NFL during that period, and Laviska has only played 19 snaps in the slot while spending 84 84 snaps on the outside as well. So name, we're name sacrificing. Pod- we're sacrificing Visca, so Swagnew can live.
1: Yeah, name a podcast talking
0: about Swagnew more than us. I'm serious. I, I know. I would. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we have some usable weeks from Swagnew as we go along. Can I quickly bring up Khalif Raymond? By the way, yes, before we course. move on to tight ends, I know we're running late here. I kind of feel like Khalif Raymond can be the wide receiver version of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams on this offense. Like this team is not getting better. They're going to be in severe negative game scripts more than any other team in the league. And what we're seeing from Khalif Raymond is a lot of drags or crossing routes over the middle of the field that Jared Goff goes from touchdown to checkdown in a lot of ways. And Raymond is that check down. But then he's also getting some vertical shots along the sideline, too. To me, he looks easily like their best wide receiver. That's not a high bar to clear or a low bar to clear. But that's something I think we need to pay attention to a little bit as we're entering, obviously, a ton of bye weeks right now.
1: Yep. 92% of the routes over the last two weeks and averaging 8.8 expected half PPR points. He's pretty quick. The Lions coaching staff loves him. And I saw that one player, the outside release, one-on-one press fan coverage, and he made that diving catch. That was a insane play by Khalif Raymond. I think that negative game script Khalif Raymond is somebody that's going to be in your 14-team league flex.
0: Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. Khalif Raymond's a fun player. Where did he play before the Lions? He was Titans, right? Yeah. Dang it. I thought I could get you back. I need to get you back before we get out of here because it can't be one to one. Okay. I'll get you back in a little bit. Okay. Let's go to tight ends. Before we get there, I need all of you. I appreciate so many of you sticking with us. It's our longest show of the year. Imagine how that happens. Hayden. here we are in week eight. Who's talking about that? Who's doing that? Like, and subscribe down below. On the hunt to 10K subscribers and new promo for all of you. First time depositors deposit anything, skip the guacamole, put it into underdog and we match it. It can be $10. It can be $59. You know, celebrate some fun that we have this year. It could be $99 straight out of Hayden's pocket. It's matched. It's doubled. And then you can 20X that and pick them by picking five correctly. Let's have some fun. All right. Tight end time. We talked about the running back spot on the Falcons, the wide receiver spot on the Falcons. We have to talk about the tight end spot at the Falcons. And as we have called him, as everyone has called him, the unicorn, the tight end one in face usage. The tight end one in fantasy points over the last few weeks. What Cal Pitts is doing right now is not typical tight end things where it's alignments and running vertically and winning down the field. It's so beautiful to watch.
1: Is it not the most absurd thing you've seen this season? Like he's averaging 5.7 yards per run versus man coverage. That is, I mean, that is silly, silly stuff. They were using him as a wide receiver last week and the Dolphins got so sick and tired of it. That they were throwing Xavier Howard and some of these guys out there. So yeah, this is this is an all pro season coming as a rookie. He's gonna break all the records. I am getting close to putting him over Darren Waller for the rest of the season as well. Yeah. I don't I don't see how this stops. This guy looks
0: unbelievable. And I think it stresses just how much we need to sit back and be a little patient at times. Cause there was some freak out in the first two or three or four weeks. And a lot of that was the Falcons at large, but now this type of stuff is not going away. Matt Ryan has confidence in him. It's against corners, linebackers, safeties. There are times Hayden where he's making people miss and separating and creating a or finding the soft spot in the areas like Travis Kelsey does, or he's just pushing and being physical to get defensive backs and defenders off of him and separating that way too. It's all of it. And once we find him in the red zone too, bam, beautiful. That's. I mean, he looks like
1: he's going to be the best tight end of all time. Like that's what, that's what, that's exactly what it looks
0: like. It's absolutely nuts. And you brought this up with Mike Ditka's record. I mean, that record Hayden tight ends, how much passing there is has lasted for 60 years, 60 years. And we might have it broken this year by cow Pitts. That's amazing. He will have it broken for sure. That's really amazing. Other tight ends. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones, Tyler Higby, Dallas Goddard. Any of those names you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, real quick. Ricky Seals-Jones, 9.5 half PPR points on 11.4. Expected half PPR points as a starter. He is Logan Thomas, just not as good. Um, Darren Waller, pretty interesting. He's dropped down to tight end 12 in fantasy usage. Obviously, he didn't play last week. Um, with an ankle injury, I, I was just trying to figure out what is going on. Why isn't he been Darren Waller from last year? And I think just yards per out runs dropped from three point one to one point nine this year, and that's about it. He's just not playing quite as well. He's also playing against the most man coverage of any tight end, um, so he's been a focal point. Um, and the Raiders have been making him pay because Henry Ruggs is balling, Hunter Renfro's balling, Brian Edwards has been pl- been playing better, so. Uh, maybe they don't have to go scheme up against Darren Waller, but he just hasn't been playing as well. All the usage and stuff is about the same. He's just not playing as well.
0: That That is something maybe I want to dive in before. Well, they're on a bye. So maybe yeah, been, we, got a week. We, got, we got a little bit of time, but like 19 targets in week one, let's not rem- forget. And it was a ton of drops there in that first half, but he still ended with 10 receptions, 105 yards and a score. Then after that, no game of more than eight targets. There are three with seven. But it's 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 interesting because he's such a, a dominant player. But I think part of it is what you're mentioning. They're getting Josh Jacobs a little bit more involved in the passing game, and Henry Ruggs is emerging as like a legit threat at multiple areas of the field. Yeah. So it's I think not defense
1: defenses were like enough already with the Darren Waller stuff. We're gonna let Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs beat us. Fair. And Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs have been beating him. So maybe there's an adjustment. But yeah, I would be skeptical of Darren Waller having quite the season as he had last year. With that said, like He can still have 15 targets and 200 yards, and there's only three tight ends that can do that.
0: Ricky Seals-Jones, where'd he go to school?
1: Damn it. Yes. Uh, I couldn't even guess.
0: Texas A&M. Let's go. All right. I think. Chat, let me know if that was correct. Hopefully you played along. Let's close out with the 7-0 Arizona Cardinals because they got their new man at tight end in Zach Ertz, and he immediately comes in and scores a 47-yard touchdown. I actually want to talk about – because Cliff got a lot of flack, maybe a couple of times from this show, uh, just in terms of running the same thing over and over and over again. What we're seeing from Cliff Kingsbury, maybe there's some influence from a couple different things, is uh, is he's changing things up on a weekly basis. I mean, this is 22 personnel out of shotgun with just a single back. As you can see, it's Chase Edmonds on the left side coming in motion with James Conner in the backfield. You have 84. You don't even know who that is. Plus Zach Ertz on the right side in, in two tight end sets, and then obviously Christian Kirk tight to the formation on the left. And so what this does is it dictates, you know, certain personnel groupings on defense, but it allows you to just run a whole bunch of misdirection, and then you just have a vertical clear out, an over route from Zach Ertz, and then some yards at the catch, rejuvenate Zach Ertz as well. <laughs> um, I just want to call attention to like the differences in that because oftentimes we say, again, Cliff just wants to put DeAndre Hopkins on the left, AJ here on the right, Christian Kirk in the slot. And when they change it up, it's successful here. And that's a really, really cool wrinkle that you're seeing from them and a reason why they're
1: 7-0. He played 54% of the dropbacks last week, 11.2 expected half PPR points. I think he's going to be like a upside tight end too. Now on the flip side, we have just um, what? – where is he? Dallas Goddard had a season high 50% of his snaps in the slot or out wide last week. And with them passing as much as they are and how good Dallas Goddard is, we're going to see Dallas Goddard with some big games here. That was, he basically, he didn't have the exact Zach Ertz role, but he got a hell of a lot closer. We don't like our tight ends in the inline spot. We want them when they're in 12 personnel to be detached. And he did that last week. So that's positive, positive
0: news for old Dallas Goddard. Yes. Go trade for Keenan now. Appreciate you, James, being here. Scampers always, Tony, Shirley, David, Springy, Eric, Juan, and all of you. Long show. Appreciate you all being here with us. Like and subscribe while you're here. Check out our NBA content too on the Underdog Fantasy YouTube channel. Wob Late Night Streams. As soon as you watch whatever NBA team you cheer for or root for, or watch League Pass, because that product is actually usable. Go and check out Wob Streams immediately after. I mean, that guy can talk and in a good way, entertaining as hell. So,
1: yeah. And just uh, to tell to oh, yeah. Underblog, every single day, these guys, within a half of a second, are posting all the news. You have anything for NBA if you're playing DFS, you're playing Pick'em, you just like to follow the sport. Uh, Underdog's your friend. And there's a, there's a Twitter account to follow, but Underblog has got all of the news. Our NBA content's going to be very good. And we have some big. NFL content um, news to share eventually
0: too. So stay tuned. Eventually. Yeah. Here's the, uh, here's the Twitter feed. It's just underdog underscore underscore NBA. And yeah, after seconds, as soon as it hits, these guys are grinding and getting the news out to you. So for DFS or pick them lines or betting or however you want to use them, we're here to help you out. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here. We'll be back Thursday, 5:30 Eastern game by game preview show. I'm going to go watch some television and he's gonna eat some ham and cheese croissants (laughs) and enjoy his night. Up the villa, talk to y'all soon, see ya.